0: So thank you, and let's get to the show. Welcome to Amplified Impact. This is the podcast where we talk about how to build better businesses, invest in real estate, and how to hyper-focus on the things that matter most so that we can maximize our return on life. I'm your host, Anthony Vecino, and I've written a few best-selling books, built a few seven and eight-figure businesses, and currently manage a $70 million real estate portfolio. But the thing I'm most proud of is that I managed to turn my ADHD into a superpower, This podcast is all about the stories, lessons, and strategies I wish I had learned sooner in the pursuit of living a life beyond the apex. I'm psyched to have you here, now let's go make some Amplified Impact. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I want to share with you the 10 commandments of hyperfocus. So if you're just tuning in for the very first time and you've never heard that word hyperfocus, what's that even mean? Well, let's lay a little bit of groundwork. Um... First thing that you have to understand about me, maybe, is I have really bad ADHD. and It was problematic throughout most of my life. Um, but the thing with ADHD, I think a lot of people misunderstand, is that they think it means that they don't have the ability to focus. Or like, that person has ADHD, which means they can't focus on anything. That's not true. It's, the problem is, people with ADHD, they can focus. And they can focus real damn well. but They can't always control what they're focused on. When they are focused, though, they go into what's known as the hyper focus state. And it's like it's like the flow state where you're in the zone. Time disappears. You lose sense of yourself and you're just like operating at your highest level. And the flow state is a very interesting state of being because it's correlated with the highest levels of life satisfaction and the feeling of like oneness with the universe. Your inner critic shuts off and you're doing the best work you possibly could. Like it feels so good. And so people with ADHD, they can, they have this similar state, but it's called hyperfocus. And it doesn't always feel so good because you start going into the flow state when you're like playing video games or watching the paint dry, right? Like that's not, it's not helpful. So what I found in my own life and like what really helped me turn the corner about a decade ago and like turn hyperfocus from being a thing that kind of like had its way with me uh, to a tool, a resource that I could use when I wanted. And as a result... By figuring out like how I could use hyperfocus to my advantage and use it as my superpower, like I could do, I can do incredible things, and I think you can too. Regardless of if you have ADHD or if, if you go into the flow state or if you want to call it hyperfocus, doesn't really matter. What we're going to talk about here is really tied to this idea of how to get to an optimal state of productivity and focus. And so, with that said, let's dive into the Ten Commandments of hyperfocus. Number one. Time is not your most valuable asset. This is something that I see people get wrong over and over and over and over again. If you go and you ask 10 people on the street, what's your most valuable asset? They will most likely tell you time. The problem with this is that time is not something that you own or control, and therefore it is not your asset. And truthfully, your time is not really worth anything because if somebody came into my room right now And they said, hey, Anthony, can I get a moment of your time? What they're really asking for is not a unit of time that I will pull out of my wallet and hand it to them. What they're really asking for is a moment of my attention, my focus, my presence. And so with that in mind and thinking about what do I control? What's the asset that I control? It's not time. It's your focus. And this is a very important first commandment is that we never lose sight of what our most valuable asset actually is. Because if you're confused about this, then you are likely to guard the wrong thing. So the number one asset that you have at your disposal is your focus. Number two, always know where your time is being spent. Always know how you're spending your focus. Okay, that's a really long one. Let's try this again. Um, Always know where your focus is going. Okay, so, Tying back to the idea that that which gets measured gets managed, the problem that most of us have is that when we look back on the course of our day or even like the course of an afternoon, we often vastly overestimate how much time we actually spent working on a thing. In my experience from tracking my own time and from working with clients that go through this exercise, what I'm going to suggest to you is that truthfully, you're spending you're overestimating how much time you actually spend on meaningful work. By about 100%, <laughs> like truthfully, truth. like you're spending about half as much time actually working on the things that you think you are and more time on your phone, just reaching over, grabbing it to answer that text message or getting up to go to the bathroom or get a glass of water, like all these little things that kind of crop, like crop up throughout the day. You're spending way less time on the work that you think. So the number one thing that we need to do before we can start to like manage all of this is we have to track this. We have to understand where are we leaking our attention throughout the day. And we do that by auditing our time. And so the way that I recommend doing this is for the next week, I want you to open a spreadsheet. And every hour at the top of the hour, I want you to stop What you're doing, I want you to look back, review that previous hour, and I want you to document it on that spreadsheet and try to your best to figure out, okay, how long did I spend on this thing? Oh, yeah, I did. I went up and got to the bathroom. That probably took five minutes. I went and got water. That took a minute, and then I worked on this thing. You start to track that stuff, and you do that for an entire week, and you're going to have a pretty good idea of what you're doing on a recurring basis and what's getting in the way. Once we have that, then we can start to solve for how do we design our environment in a way or our workflow in a way where we can mitigate some of these these um, leaks of our attention or our time. So that's number two. Number three is energy fuels focus. It's simple. If you don't have any energy, you don't have any focus. In fact, if you have no energy, you're dead, right? So when it comes to our energy and improving the quality of our energy and the quantity of that energy so that we can apply it in ever greater force multipliers, you really only have three levers, three levers, I know everybody makes fun of how I say levers. You only have three levers that really, really matter and or rather that you can actually pull. Pretty much everything else is like some kind of stimulant or drug and we're going to stay away from that. But number one is your sleep. Number two is your exercise and number three is your nutrition. These are the three levers that you can pull on a consistent daily basis that are going to impact them, the quantity and quality of energy you have to focus. So this means get enough sleep every night, six to eight hours. This means make sure that you're putting good stuff into your body, right? Like not junk in, junk out. So we're making sure that we're eating good foods. We're making sure we're hitting our nutritional needs. And number three, that we're moving every single day. We're getting exercise. You pull those three levers and you're going to have awesome energy, which in turn fuels your focus. Number four is that we close cognitive loops. So a cognitive loop is anytime you have a thought or idea or to do or anything that's floating around in your brain. It's like the, the tabs on your computer or like if you have multiple softwares running at any given point. One or two of these at a time isn't going to bog down the system. It's not going to have any like demonstrable effect. But as you open up 50, 60, 70, 80 different tabs on your computer, like suddenly it starts to run a little bit slower. It's the same with your brain. If you're trying to cram and hold everything in your mind, like you will lose thoughts, you will get confused, you will forget what you were doing. And it will ultimately have been just a waste of energy. And so if you want to sleep better at night, if you want to go through your day feeling more relaxed and less anxious because you know that you don't have all these things just swirling around your brain, you do this by closing cognitive loops. And the best resource I have to suggest for this is to create a second brain. You can learn all about how to do that. In previous podcast episodes, you can go to the YouTube channel check out, I think, the productivity system that made me a millionaire in three years. I think that's a really good starting point. Or you can download... Um, a resource, a PDF that we created called the Three Step Millionaire Productivity System. You just go to anthonyvicino.com backslash millionaire. You can download that. It's gonna explain how to create a second brain, why it's so important. All right, number five. Always set clear priorities. There is no greater waste than to do with excellence that which shouldn't be done at all. And this is probably my favorite quote of all time, because I quote it like constantly. It's just so good. Because Uh, often we all do this where we default to doing a lot of stuff that is not necessarily the right stuff or even helpful stuff. And so we're busy, but not effective or productive in a meaningful way. And so the key then is to make sure that we're focusing on doing the things that actually matter in the grand scheme of things. And so, to set our clear priorities, we need to have some kind of priority management system. Again, that resource I mentioned before, that millionaire productivity framework um, that you go to anthonyvecino.com backslash millionaire, there's a section in there where I share a couple of different prioritization techniques that can help you go through your to-do list and figure out, okay, what should I actually be spending my time on? Like what's the meaningful stuff? Because again, like in my experience, we, most people are really bad judges of where their time would actually be best spent. Like typically we default to things that are maybe a little bit superficial, a little bit easy, and they don't really move the needle all that much. So um, go check out those resources and and just level up how you think about your prioritization of tasks throughout the day. All right. Number six is goals are for losers. Systems are for winners. So, yeah, you got to have goals. Goals are important, but. A goal without a system is what's the point? You're not unlikely to hit it, right? So what we got to do is we have to turn this worthless idea into something valuable through the alchemy of execution. And the way that we do that, or we you know set ourselves up more likely for success of hitting those goals, is to create systems around how we plan to achieve those goals. So in the simplest way, psychologists call this an implementation intention which is simply to write down what are you going to do? And then two, when are you going to do it? That's it. Like write down what are you going to do to hit the goal? And then when are you going to do it? And that gets to the idea of time blocking and making sure we're actually putting these activities onto our calendar. So time blocking is a very powerful, powerful tool. I've talked about this extensively in the past. It was very important for me um, in terms of turning my life around where Every night I would sit down and just map out what's the next day look like. I'd put it on the calendar and I would almost think of like future tomorrow, Anthony, as an employee that I'm I'm delegating tasks to. And so me, Anthony, the night before going to bed, um, I'm, I'm the boss and I'm going to tell future Anthony exactly where his time and energy should be best spent so that tomorrow when Anthony wakes up, he doesn't have to think about that. He doesn't have to say, oh, how am I feeling? Should I do this or maybe I should do that? No, past Anthony the boss has already done that mental calculus. He's already said these are the most important things, regardless of how you feel, this is what you should do. And so Anthony in you know the future just wakes up and does the thing, and it's so liberating. It's it's crazy. Number seven, our seventh commandment of hyperfocus is the power of intention. So your brain is fantastic, it's a really cool thing. In fact, it's maybe like the most remarkable thing in the universe. I don't even think the brain is capable of understanding how complex and amazing the brain even is. Like it's bonkers. But the brain is also very lazy, which makes sense because the brain has evolved to do nothing more than just keep you alive by expending as little energy as possible. That's it. And it makes sense like you're, you know, a monkey on the savanna, limited resources, and so the brain is just trying to propagate, keep you alive and do it without using up all the resources in your very limited environment. And so your brain is focused on helping you survive, but the modern you, the human who no longer worries about the saber-toothed tiger jumping out of the grass and eating you, you're not worried about just surviving anymore. Now you're worried about like higher order problems, such as thriving. How do I live a life of fulfillment and meaning and self-actualization? And so there's this, this is fundamental at odds between your lazy brain, which wants you just to sit on the couch, watch video games and eat or not watch, but play video games and eat Doritos. And then your higher self, actualized self, your goal of doing hard things and progressing and making meaningful, pro- uh, meaningful um, progress towards your, your greatness that you feel that you have inside of yourself, and like these are the things that lead towards a life of f- satisfaction and fulfillment. And so we're at this we're at these uh, at this battle with our brain that wants to be lazy and our other self that wants to do more and achieve more. And so the way that we do this then is to maintain a our intention at all times by monitoring, because your brain, if left to its own devices, will be very sneaky and will distract you. It'll procrastinate. It'll it'll get you off track. And it'll do it in such subtle ways that you won't even notice it um, until you look back on the end of the day and you're like, what did I even do today? What the heck was that? And so what we do is we create an uh, intention maintenance strategy. The way that I did this is I would program random alarms to go off on my phone throughout the day. And when that alarm would go off, It would be accompanied with the question, what's my outcome? And that that question is just a pattern interrupt. It's just an opportunity for me to reflect in that moment, what am I doing right now? And why am I doing it? And is this moving me towards my goal? Like, what's my outcome? If I continue doing this, what am I going to get as a result? And quite often we go through life and just start going through the motions. We go to that meeting, we're at a dinner with a loved one, we're sitting on the toilet scrolling social media, like all of these things just kind of happen. And it's like, why am I doing this? And if you want to improve the quality of your life or the quality of your focus, then you need to bring intention to everything that you do. And this activity of creating an intention maintenance strategy, I think is one of the the best ways that you can do this. All right. Our eighth commandment of hyper focus is to lift mental weights every single day. So focus, I believe, is a type of a muscle. And with all muscles, the way that we strengthen them is to stress them beyond their current capacity. Right? We do this usually by going to the gym, lifting heavy weights, or going for a run. Like we stress the system, and then as it rebuilds, it rebuilds stronger. And so we need to have some exercises or a protocol that allows us to do the same with our focus, or our our, our mind, our discipline, our. Um, our ability to think, right? And we do this by going to the mental gym, which is, you know, you can call it prayer, meditation, journaling. Like there's all sorts of different ways that you can do this, but you need to find some kind of activity that is going to stress your focus in an intentional way that then demands that it responds to the stimulus. And the thing that I take away from this that's been very helpful for me because I've always struggled sitting still with my thoughts like in a meditative practice is to think that it never gets easier. You just get better. And it's the same idea with going to the gym, right? Like you don't go to the gym, expecting the weights to one day be light. No, you just, you're constantly able to move heavier and heavier loads, but it always feels hard. And that's the same thing that we're doing with our mental weightlifting is you go into this exercise, not expecting it to be easy, but knowing it's going to be hard. And it's in that hardness that we grow and we improve. And that's the point. All right. Number nine, Optimize your environment. I say this all the time that focus is the ability to resist distractions. However, if you're lazy like me, then instead of just trying to build our ability to focus and resist distractions, let's just be proactive and like just eliminate the potential for distractions to appear at all. Right, So this comes back to environment design, the way that you sit at your desk, the way that you sit at your computer, the way that you go through the world. Just in general, how do you design it in a way where distractions are going to be limited? And by just putting a little bit of thought and energy into this before the distractions appear, you can vastly improve the quality of your focus. Because now, instead of resisting these distractions that continue to pop up, you can stay more easily in the zone and focus on what you're doing. So work becomes a lot more fun, a lot, a lot easier too. number 10. Our last commandment of hyperfocus is always have a focus ritual. It's really, it's really interesting to me when you look at like superstar athletes or performers, like they all have like a routine that they go through to get primed in the zone, warmed up, ready to go. Like nobody, LeBron James never steps on the court until he's like primed and ready but you, as a thinker, as a human, sitting down to do focused work, like you maybe have never done like a similar ritual, another protocol. And yet you expect to sit down and just immediately go into your best place. Like that's unrealistic, right? And this is why, like, usually people struggle for the fir- first 15, 20 minutes of sitting down on a task is because there's so much. Inertia that they have to overcome to get deep into the task before you know starts to feel lighter and feel easier. And most people never make it through that period because they keep pulling open their phone, they keep pulling open their computer, just to try and distract from the discomfort of sitting in it. Well, one of the ways that you can accelerate how quickly you move through that period of discomfort is to employ a focus ritual. So for me, that looks like. I clear my desk. When I'm ready to start, like I wanna say write a book, I'm gonna clear my desk. I'm gonna set my Pomodoro timer. I'm gonna light my candle. I'm gonna take a whiff of my boom boom, which is uh, a scent stick that helps me like use my my sense of smell to like get primed and in the zone. And then I'm gonna put on my noise-cancelling headphones, I'm gonna turn on brain.fm, and I'm gonna start listening to my binaural beats. And then the last little thing I'm gonna usually do is I pull open a pen. I hold it at arm's length and I stare at the tip of it for 30 seconds. And this has been scientifically proven to start activating areas of your brain that make it really start um, falling into the flow state. Okay. So that's my focus routine. It takes me like less than five minutes, right? Like not even that. It takes takes me like a minute to get through. But when I do that, now I set my, my body's expectations that this is now the time to work. And just by doing that it's much easier for me to fall into that deep state of flow almost instantaneously. So those are the 10 commandments of hyperfocus. I'm sure I could come up with 10 more, 100 more, a billion more. And if you want to learn about those guys, you should check out the hyperfocus masterclass. You can go to beyondtheapex.com backslash masterclass. No, not masterclass, hyperfocus. I'm sorry, beyondtheapex.com backslash hyperfocus. You go there, you can check out the hyperfocus masterclass where I I lay out everything that I know about the science and the practicalities of focus and being the most productive and awesome human that you can be. And there's also a community that you can join along with that course where you can meet like minded people who are also on a path of becoming the most badass, productive, focused selves. So go check that out. And if you got any value out of this, do me a favor. Just let me know on social media, ping me. Let me, um, let me join the conversation with you. You know, if you got some value, share this with a friend, ping me and say, Hey, this is what I liked. And I'll probably pop in and say, Hey, so as always, everybody, I appreciate you being here, taking some time out of your day. I know your time is, is precious. It might not be your most valuable resource, wink, wink. Um, but I do know it's precious. So the fact that you spent some of your time and your focus and your attention on this, it truly means the world to me. Um, I can't thank you enough. So Until next time, stay hyper-focused, my friend.